Lucas on Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas and I'm speaking to you from boiling hot Colorado, a place where the air is thin. We live a mile high at 4,800 feet, so oxygen can be in short supply and running up the stairs is classed as a workout. It's a place where mountain lions, deer, elk and rattlesnakes roam. Actually, snakes don't roam, they slither, and I don't like them. And of course, the majestic Rocky Mountains tower, some of them 14,000 feet in the air. Talking about the beauty of nature, this week I've been pondering how God uses nature to speak of his nature. Creation is crammed with his fingerprints, and there's so much we can learn about the creator when we look at what he has made. The heavens declare his glory, so says the psalmist. With that in mind, if creation is declaring the truth about God, here's a challenge for us all. Are we, God's people, not only living the good news, but actually sharing it, being ready to give a reason for the hope that we have? Yep, I'm talking about that dreaded E-word, evangelism, sharing our faith, telling the world the good news about Jesus. When I became a Christian, evangelism was high on our priority list. We encouraged each other to talk about the Lord whenever we had the opportunity. But these days, we don't hear much talk about talking about God. I've frequently heard Francis of Assisi, famous for chatting with squirrels, misquoted, and the poor quote has been used to excuse us from actually talking about Jesus. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. So goes the quote. But the great man never actually said that at all. Francis actually said of those that he led, all of the friars should preach by their deeds. But he also taught it is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. And he used a lot of words himself, sometimes visiting five villages in a day to talk to people about Jesus. Yes, he has really been misquoted. Over this last week, a story has gone viral here in America. It's a photograph of a white police officer leaning into the car with a black man grimacing in agony. The policeman had pulled the car over because the driver was speeding. It turns out that the car was being driven by a woman whose father was undergoing chemotherapy, hence his look of pain. Hearing about the man's cancer, the policeman decided to take a risk and asked if he might pray for that gentleman, which he did. And that moment of prayer and care made a huge difference. In that situation, it turns out that both men were followers of Christ. But the policeman didn't know that until he boldly stepped out and decided to live out his faith and put his Christianity on the line. He was bold to declare himself as a follower of Jesus and act like a disciple. In a time when black people often fear routine traffic stops from the police, this event was powerful, heartwarming, inspirational. So, what about us? Are we boldly living? and sharing our faith. Yes, evangelism. Whatever happened to it? That's our theme here on Lucas on Life on Premier Christian Radio. Talking about evangelism, I keep bumping into confrontational evangelists. 
Recently, I took a tube journey, which included a chance encounter with a toothless herald of the gospel. As I lined up to get my ticket, a brother who was seriously challenged in the molar department came down the queue. Who's a believer here? He hissed, quickly adding, there's heaven and there's hell. Choose Jesus. He clutched a folder which contained gaudy medieval portrayals of both destinations. He opened the folder and flicked quickly through plastic-covered snapshots of sinners being barbecued forever and poked at with pitchforks. What's it to be then? Heaven or hell, he demanded. A nervous lady said that she only wanted to go to Upminster. I fled. It happened again in a local shopping centre. A small grey man stood ramrod straight with his right arm held aloft. His gloved hand defiantly clenched a huge placard. I sneaked to look at his poster. Repent ye, screamed the thick Gothic text. The end is nigh. I cast my eyes downwards again, hoping to hurry past the brave little man, but it was not to be. His was a multimedia presentation, placard and voice. It was a big, fearful boom from one so slight. The Lord is not mocked, he thundered. Hell is a reality. Turn from sin today. My head-down, rush-past strategy failed dismally. He caught my eye, and a laser beam of penetrating interrogation shot into my soul from his direction. You, sir, where will you spend eternity? I wasn't in the mood for a warm, brotherly conversation at 300 decibels, and I didn't have a poster, so I mumbled, heaven, thank you very much, and fled for cover into a shop. In the bright warmth of that store, I felt safe again, but somewhat pursued by questions, and not questions about my eternal destination. As I peered out of the window at the grey man who was now barking at another terrified prospect, a blanket of unease shrouded me. He was undeniably brave, standing out in the cold with his dog-eared poster. But was he wise? Was this provocative style of his really bringing any good news to people, or did it just repel passers-by like a swift apocalyptic kick in the teeth? Was this the way Jesus would have proclaimed his message, or did the man look like one of those angrier Old Testament prophets? I believe that there is a hell to be shunned, and so it could be argued that mugging shoppers with the message is appropriate. But is hell the cornerstone of our message, or is that honour reserved for Jesus himself? As I rambled absent-mindedly around the shop, looking for absolutely nothing at all, I searched deeper into my own concerns and questions about evangelism, sharing our faith. With all about seeker-friendly, be culturally relevant, bring good news, not bad approaches, we must face the fact that most of us Christians feel intimidated, uncomfortable, and unsure about the best way to effectively share our faith with people. I've had brief flirtations with just about every evangelistic approach there is. I went through a phase when I really felt that I was doing God and God's world a massive favor as I buttonholed people with my message, eager to capture as many salvation scalps as possible. I tried the utterly unsubtle approach with my then non-Christian father. My warm attempts at sharing the love of God went something like this. Dad, quietly reading the newspaper, saying nothing, and I enter the room. Me. Hello, Dad. As you know from the contents of my daily evangelistic monologue, I am a Christian, as per the copy of Journey into Life, which I helpfully left under your pillow. 
just in case you should come to your senses during the night hours. You, sadly, are not currently listed among the elect. You are therefore destined for a long swim in the lake of fire. Have a nice day. Dad quietly continues to read the newspaper. I exit the room. But then, if we're not careful, we can swing wildly to the other extreme, where we live out the good news in our communities, happy that we are being salt and light, but never actually mentioning anything about Jesus in the process. We congratulate ourselves on our cringe-free evangelism. Outsiders think that we're nice and even rather cool, but they never get to meet the Jesus who died and lives to save them. We run the risk of becoming evangelical liberals, do-gooders without a reason or an explanation for our goodness. My bookshelf is crammed with books telling me the right way to share my faith. But I just know that if I weren't a Christian, I wouldn't want to be somebody's project. I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of a monologue where I was barely given room to respond. And I wouldn't want to be told that my views were going to be used in a survey which didn't actually exist. The survey being a made-up ruse as an excuse for conversation. And I wouldn't want to be patronized, press-ganged or threatened, interrogated or intimidated or made to feel that I know nothing at all about life. The writer Rebecca Manley Pippett expressed something of the crisis that many of us feel. She said, there was a part of me that secretly felt that evangelism was something you shouldn't do to your dog, let alone a friend. So, would Jesus use the repent ye placard approach? He was not content with impersonal messages. He didn't just send us emails from heaven announcing his love. Rather, he came among us. He came down into our squalor and became a man. He refused to keep the power of the Holy Spirit to himself, but dropped gentle prophetic exocets on the woman at the well during a lunch break. But for example, he dropped gentle prophetic exocets on the woman at the well during a lunch break. So let's ask Jesus to help us be good news messengers. Our friends and perhaps our dogs will thank us for it. We're talking about the blessing of sharing our faith, but sometimes it can be quite challenging. I was on a flight and discovered that airline seats are designed for people with only one buttock. I have a full set of two, and I squeeze both of them into a seat on a flight bound for Manchester and search quickly for the missing end of the seatbelt, which had mysteriously disappeared beneath the person sitting next to me, who apparently had been blessed with, dare I say it, five buttocks. I buckled up with a comforting click and sighed with relief. I planned to make full use of the short one-hour flight, time to read, nap, think, pray. I took out my book, a Christian book, and the airplane took off, and the flight attendants began their eager distribution of salted peanuts, ideal fodder for the dehydrated environment of an airplane. Suddenly, I became aware of the man next to me staring over my shoulder at my book page. I had become intimately acquainted with him momentarily in my seatbelt search, but hadn't really noticed him. Lobbing another peanut into his mouth, he spoke. What are you reading? He said. My brain leapt into gear, swiftly considering a suitable response. In a millisecond, I contemplated the fact that my response should not be a cringy, in-your-face retort. It is, in fact, a Christian book, my friend, which leads me to ask, are you aware of your final resting place should this fragile aircraft plunge to the earth and be consumed in a ball of white-hot heat? 
I've been preaching a lot about the need for Christians to be thoughtful and sensitive as they share the good news about Jesus. In my early years as a believer, I was so keen to witness that I would jerk any and every conversation around to the subject of God. Would you like a cheese sandwich, Jeff? No, thank you, for I have the bread of life. How about you? So how could I answer this man's question concerning my reading material with subtlety? I cleared my throat and responded. It's a book, I said. The man gave me a look that he'd probably not used since the sad day when he discovered he'd been created with a bottom extension. Yes, I noticed that, he said. What kind of book is it? Panic. How can I now proceed to disclose the subject of my reading without giving my fellow passenger the impression that he was parked next to a Christian crazy? Um, it's a Christian book. When you say the word Christian very quickly, it comes through pursed lips as Christian. Really? About what exactly? He was pressing the case. It is about God. Right-ho, he said. So, what do you do for a living? Every muscle in my body immediately locked tight with tension. I, um, I teach, I said, and inwardly congratulated myself on the answer, which sounded so much better than minister, vicar, or church leader. Oh, you're a teacher then, he replied instantly vaporizing my sense of self-congratulation and causing fresh sweat to break out on my brow. No, I, I, I'm not. I, um, I preach. I teach about God. And feeling a glimmer of boldness in my heart, I added, I'm going to a Christian meeting tonight to speak. I settled back in my chair. My interrogator went quiet momentarily. But then the silence was broken. And what exactly will you say to the people about God at tonight's meeting, he ventured. And so I told him. He didn't cast aside his peanuts, hurl himself headlong onto the floor and cry out for forgiveness from God. But he did listen and ask questions. And I had the opportunity to spend some quality time passing on the great news of the love of God. But after I got off the flight, it occurred to me that that poor man had almost had to resort to torture and threat in order to get the good news of the gospel out of me, I was so determined to be laid back and inoffensive that I'd lost the eagerness to pass on the news that sometimes delights and sometimes offends. Is it possible that we've lost sight of that issue called eternity and the edge and urgency which that message conveys? In a reaction against pie-in-the-sky theology, with our emphasis on the kingdom being now, have we lost sight of the reality that we have a message that is bigger than life and death? Has the salt lost its savour? Watching Elton John play his pre-recorded tribute to Her Majesty the Queen at the recent Platinum Jubilee celebrations, I was reminded of the nice job that he did years ago at the funeral of Diana, Princess of Wales. With half the population of planet Earth tuning in by TV, he sang about a flickering candle in the wind. The question is this, are we as followers of the light of the world willing to be a beacon people and pass on the good news with clarity, compassion, and relevance? Let's be ready, willing, and yes, able to share our faith in Jesus. Lucas on Life.